You may not leave this table until you consume the entire confection. Slappy Joe's. <laughs> Lady, you're scaring us. We have to go back. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today we are reviewing the 1996 fantasy comedy, Matilda. She's a child. <laughs> yeah, this is um, this is our first movie uh, featuring the uh, 90s child actor, uh, arguably uh, the first season one Luke of Modern Family, uh, oh, Mara yes. Wilson. She is season zero Luke from Modern Family. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I forgot. I knew that she was in Matilda, but I forgot how many other things she was in. She's also yep. been in Simple Wish, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, uh, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, and um, BoJack Horseman. No way, she's in BoJack Horseman. She's Jill Pill. <laughs> oh, perfect. I'm I'm so excited to be talking about this movie. Uh, but before that, I just want to thank everyone who has been following us on social media, uh, leaving comments on Instagram and Twitter, and shouting our praises from the rooftop. Really appreciate you guys doing all that. Thank you. Yep, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna just sign the card on that as well. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's gonna be the new phrase. Sign the card. Yeah, yeah sign the card. I like it. Sign the card. Yeah, I'll I'll sign the card on that. <laughs> Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, um, Matilda is the film adaptation of a Ronald Dolly uh, book telling Wait, the story of... what do you of... call him? Oh, I call him Ronald Dolly. Ronald Do... It's Roald Dahl. I decided to add in more letters. Uh, I like Ronald Dolly. Ronald Dolly. Uh, say it again. How's it? His name actually pronounced? Roald Dahl. Roald Dahl. Okay. Um, but yeah, this guy, um, he wrote a book called Matilda, wildly successful, but now this movie is the adaptation of the story of Matilda, which is a story about Matilda Wormwood, played by Mara Wilson, a gifted girl forced to put up with a crude, distant father, played by Danny DeVito, and mother, Rhea Perlman, and worse, Agatha Trunchbull, played by Pam Ferris, the evil principal at Matilda's school is a terrifying, strict bully, but... Matilda realizes that she has the power of telekinesis and she begins to defend her friends from Trunchbull's wrath and fight back against her unkind parents. The movie came out originally in July of 1996 and it was directed by Danny DeVito and narrated by Danny DeVito. I did not realize that Danny DeVito was all over this project, let alone in the movie. As a kid, Never registered that Danny DeVito was in this movie. Yeah, this was his deal. Yeah. He, uh, yeah. This is also um, the second major Danny DeVito film that we've looked at, aside from Man on the Moon. You're right. Yeah, so when the movie first came out, it reached a critical acclaim, and um, it has a certified fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And originally upon its release, it earned $33 million in contrast to its budget, so it... It just about made it, but it was way more popular on home media. Um, actually, just three years ago at the time of this recording, in 2013, to celebrate its 17th year, 
in existence, uh, the movie was finally released on Blu-ray featuring all of this awesome reunion footage. Basically, for the Blu-ray release, the whole cast, 17 years later, got together and had like a tea party in Danny DeVito's backyard. Uh, and they recreated all these scenes. And it's it's just amazing. Like, they recreate the chocolate cake scene, the pigtail scene. It was just, just a ton of fun. Yeah. And like we said before, this movie was based off of a book, uh, a book that I have not read. Um, I don't think when I saw the movie initially that I realized it was even a book. Um, but you've read other Roald Dahl books, right? Like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and BFG. No. James and the Giant Peach. He wrote those. I've only seen the movie versions of those things. Yeah, he did, he did all of those. He did Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Yep. That's him. Whoa. That's him. So it's interesting. Uh, I don't know if it's because of the subject matter that makes it feel this way, but Danny DeVito's directing of it feels very much like a Tim Burton film. It does. But that could also be because Danny DeVito worked with Tim Burton on things like Batman Returns, and there's also Paul Rubens in it, who worked with Tim Burton on Pee-wee's Big yeah. Adventure. So there's a lot of crossover here, so I don't know what influenced the voice of it, but it does feel like one of those uh, early Tim Burton films, even though it's Danny DeVito. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's that's interesting. I didn't realize that. Look at that. Yeah, so the... Um... The thing I researched, because I didn't read the book, like I said before, but I noticed that there, I was expecting some more uh, differences from the movie and the book, but there were very few differences. Uh, some noticeable differences is that uh, Matilda's powers in the book are rich. They aren't written as like, she has superpowers. She's like Alex Mack, um, which no one uh, would have written oh, that man. as. Um <laughs> But um, it's it's written as, like, miracles. Like, she was able to perform these miracles um, in the book. Uh, and also, at the end of the story, from my understanding, uh, Matilda loses her powers in the book, as opposed to just always having them. Oh. Yeah. So. Well, I guess since she does struggle so much to gain them at the beginning, it'd be really frustrating to lose them, because she doesn't really manifest those powers until... Over halfway through the film, right. which in a normal structure would happen around the 20 minute mark that she's able to start manifesting those powers. Right. Um, yeah. So that it doesn't really allow any space for her to get them and lose them again. Right. Yeah. The way it's built out structurally, it would be like her abilities would be like the inciting incident instead of her dad telling her when a person is bad, they must be taught a lesson like that. Right. That was really the inciting incident. Yeah. And then her powers came afterwards. Um, the when was the first time you saw this movie? I saw it in theaters. Oh, so, really? Yeah, it's ninety six. I remember seeing more than the actual movie itself. I remember seeing the trailer for this movie on pretty much every VHS uh, <laughs> that came out around like nineteen ninety seven. Like I remember wanting, like seeing that trailer more than anything else, and there. were certain scenes i remember like i only remember the school scenes but pretty much none of the plot i just remember oh that that girl's pigtails are being thrown and that chocolate cake 
Like that's all I really remember from that movie. Um, but this is my first time watching the movie, and I'd wager over ten years. Like I, I distinctly, I think the last time I saw this movie, I was at my daycare watching it. The next to like a sand set that they had. Like that's that's the place where the sensory memory took me back to. But I, I, I didn't watch this movie nearly as much as I watched like uh, other. Uh, like Harry the Spy, I watched way more than this movie, which has nothing to do with anything, but it's just a movie I thought I'd let you know that I watched more than this movie. Than others. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, this movie was successful, uh, I think, so much so that it got um, played into a movie. All right, that... <laughs> I'm this movie it. was so good they made it a movie. <laughs> this movie was so good they made it into a play. There is a Matilda That's the right. Musical that actually gives you way more backstory than the uh, movie does. Uh, my wife was telling me, because she has a musical theater background, uh, she was telling me that you get more backstory into uh, Miss Honey's like parents' background. Like mm-hmm. They were some kind of circus performers and... Um, and, you, and there's this like whole number with her father, like, like nurturing her, like when Miss Trunchbull is like being super abusive, um, and it's, it sounds like it's amazing to see. And if you ha- if you guys who are listening have seen the musical, please tweet us about it and tell us how good it is because I can only assume it's just fantastic. Are they like the wealthiest circus performers that have ever lived to be so rich that Trunchbull wants to murder the dad? Well, from my understanding, the only thing I know is that the way her mother passed is that, no, they were, they were like escape artists. Like they were like Houdini. Oh, I see. um, And somehow her mother just broke all her bones. Just... You know what? I hate it when that happens. <laughs> Just all of them. Um, you try to break out of a plexiglass box filling with water, and you break all your bones. <laughs> what a bad day. Well, there's always tomorrow. <laughs> Wait, there's not. Your bones are broken. All Floating in a plexiglass box full of water. <laughs> Congratulations. You have bone soup. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, they go into all of this in the play? <laughs> From my understanding, yeah, in great detail. I think that's a big finale. Bone soup. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> Bone soup. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but yeah, this movie is uh, also one of the movies that um, Mara Wilson is most notably known for. Um, and when she, and, um, when she got cast for the role, um, she mentioned that her and her siblings were longtime fans of the book and that she put a very serious effort into uh, playing the role as close to the book character um, because it meant so much to her. She also says it's the closest to her real life personality and she feels like she did the best of her performance. It's interesting because we said the same thing. Adam Sandler said the same thing in Billy Madison last week. Yeah. That was like, this is just me. This is just me. Yeah. The um, So Mara Wilson, interestingly enough, she left acting kind of like in the midst of her adolescence. 
um, what she describes it as is like a mutual breakup. Like um, there were a lot of uh, appearance things that they had to deal with um, that she had to deal with just with like everyone like basing a lot of her um, roles off of her looks. And it was just something that she described as it not being um, fun for her anymore. Um, because, you know, as a child actor, you have to do all these hours and you, you have to do all these different um, things just as a child actor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what she then kind of went on to do is write more. And she actually has a new book that is coming out this September. Um, not a sponsor at all, but it's just um, who she is and a very timely coincidence um but she she's been writing and she is just hilarious to follow on twitter um but she she talked about how like as a kid she's always loved stories and she always loved performing her own stories and so um ever since she stopped acting she's just been very active writer and um this is one of those movies that um you kind of get to see people prior to like where they are now it's interesting it's bizarre you talk about like how they evolve she more than most child actors looks like a grown-up version of herself as a child oh absolutely yeah it's like she looks exactly how you would assume a grown-up matilda would look like they say hey like it's police sketch like all right so this person looked like matilda Uh uh-huh yeah but like 20 years older okay mm-hmm. it's mara wilson mm. whereas it gets a little trickier if you do like macaulay culkin or Haley joel osmond yeah will wheaton i was trying to think of other people i couldn't think of anyone else or um nope those are all the actors i know season one luke from modern family <laughs> yes uh simon from uh seventh heaven oh i thought you were gonna say simon birch and i was like ricky no, cut this, please. <laughs> I can't believe you would say that. I wouldn't. I can't believe you think I would say that. I can't believe you said that in another <laughs> universe. So uh, let's get into uh, some reactions. So uh, when you watched the movie this time, uh, were there, was there anything you noticed that you didn't notice the last time you saw it? I didn't notice how much blatant child abuse was in this movie. Dude, right? So when I was a kid, I guess it was more fanciful. Yeah. And it was like, oh, she's a bad guy, so you need to like take her down. Or like, those parents are so mean. Yeah. But now, especially working in like a HR where we're very hypersensitive to like harassment and things like that, I'm like, this is totally unacceptable for any kind of workplace. Yeah. Or having friends that work in social work where it's like, there's no way that child would still be in that situation. Yeah. The, um, like I was shocked because again, like I said before, I didn't, I didn't remember much of anything outside of the school. I'm like, yeah, this movie's about this kid who's in school and who has superpowers. And like, that's it. Like, that's all I remember (laughs) about the movie. But like, it's, core is like oh this poor child was just neglected like ever since birth like she cooked pancakes on the stove um at four years old something that i didn't do until i was maybe like 16 for the first time ever with an adult nearby 
mm-hmm. like I and it's just like it's like it was really sad. Just like a lot of like the neglect yeah, and that- the fact that uh, the punishment at school is to stand in a closet with nails and things like that. Like yeah. hardened criminals don't get that punishment. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really uh, I guess darker than what I was expecting it to be. Uh, I think the hardest I laughed just because I wasn't expecting it because at because at first I remember uh, Miss Trunchbull. Uh, mm-hmm being like this bigger larger than life character like i remember her doing the pigtails thing but i'm just like yeah. oh well that's that's nothing a real person would do i um, remember her being a former track star yeah i didn't remember that at all like she used to be a former olympian making yeah. us just two weeks shy of being relevant uh, oh man <laughs> missed the hashtag <laughs> but yeah she um uh, the moment at the end, at the end of the chocolate cake scene, when when she makes that kid eat, like, <laughs> I, like the whole the justification of it was just amazing. It's like you know that old, there's this old cartoon thing, um, or at least I saw it from a lot of cartoons. It was like, oh, you catch someone smoking, you make you make them smoke the whole pack to make them sick, so that they never want to smoke again. That sort of thing, right? But they yeah. do that with the biggest chocolate cake I've ever seen in my life. And and the same lunch lady from Billy Madison, apparently. <laughs> I know how you kids love your chocolate cake. Your chocolate cake. <laughs> lady, you're scaring us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so she they bring out the cake, um, Bruce Bogtrotter. Um, eats the whole cake, and they're in that assembly for what had to have been a solid hour. Um, she doesn't get home till like eight o'clock or something like that. Yeah, well, here's like so at the end when she's like, "You can do it, you can do it, Bruce," and he like eats the rest of the cake. He's like, "Yeah." She lifts the plate and just crashes it over his head. That yeah. caught me so off guard. I was crying, laughing. I was like, <laughs> "No, she did not just do." like that that is no that's crazy and then the whole backstory with her um and her being the aunt to uh miss honey and breaking her arm she's like i broke your arm i'll do it again she's like i'm not seven years old again i'm like um i'm sorry are we just gonna brush past this you you broke a seven-year-old's arm i'm like this is this is as fun and fanciful as I thought it was going to be because, like, these are real issues that need to be addressed. It's pretty dark. It's yeah. uh, it's on the same level of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory with their, like, the kids get stretched out and they get yeah. permanently stained different colors and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did not, like, as a kid, I just didn't, like, none of those things really registered to me. Um, or even the twist of a murder, like Miss Rushbull straight up murders a guy. Yep, killed him, killed him dead. Which make now in hindsight makes the ghost play a, a lot more sense. So uh, yeah. yeah, I didn't really get that the first time. I just thought she was scaring her. To yeah, scare her. yeah, not like a telltale heart type deal. Yeah. Well, interesting thing about that scene is that um, on the DVD, Dan DeVito reveals that that chalk scene, and this is something that I love about um, movies pre 
um, super duper CG um, because you had to get creative with how to pull off certain effects Um, or or I'd say um, unconventionally creative. Uh, so basically what they did is that they wrote the letters backwards on the opposite side of the chalkboard and they put a magnet on the chalk. Oh. And so then they had someone stand behind the chalkboard and like write it backwards with a device that attracted the magnets. And so that's how they achieved that effect, which I think is just amazing. That's so cool. Right? That's great. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, like the whole, the whole story is, it was, I was more sad than I was expecting to be, uh, just like realizing like, oh, wow, like this is kind of a sad story. Um, uh, mm-hmm. but it's, but I, I, that's kind of the, the point is like, uh, a fun fact about the, just the history of Matilda, just as a story, it was originally going to be about a male protagonist. Um, and Matildo, yeah, um, or Harry Potter. I I realized that basically she has Harry Potter's situation. She loves reading. Her family doesn't pay attention to her. They favor another child over her. Um, mm-hmm. and she discovers that she has these abilities, and there is a wise educator who sees the potential in them and believes in them and also they pick quidditch so sure yeah so a girl flies through the air yeah and she she catches the yeah when she flies through the air she catches the stitch doesn't even bother for the quaffle because the quaffle like why even bother anyway um but yeah i just noticed like a lot of those similarities and that this is something that really makes this story uh, unique is that it's it's a female lead um, and her kind of creating her own family, very similar to Harry Potter, but like she creates her mm-hmm. own family, um, finds her own place and stands up for you know her friends and the people around her. Like everything that she does is very selfless. Like all she wants to do is just read and she just like goes by herself and goes to the library at like four years old. And then when she learns that if a person is bad, they must be taught a lesson. And she's just like, oh, well, I'm going to do that. Like, she takes it upon herself to, like, write these injustices that are surrounding her. And I think that was an interesting concept that I definitely did not grasp as a kid. I'm just like, oh, cool. So, Powers. She's like the Punisher. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my she's goodness. Clean up this city. <laughs> She's, she's going to use her powers on the Irish Mafia. Yep. To start and just work their way through. Yep. <laughs> um, the the line that had that made me laugh out loud was, hurry up, we got to beat the speedboat salesman to the airport. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Oh, I... And even at the end, he doesn't acknowledge that they're cops. Yeah, hey, we got to beat... <laughs> well, that... Okay, so that whole scene... I, I distinctly remember that scene. Like, I remember her getting adopted, but I didn't think it happened so quickly. I also didn't know that you could Xerox adoption papers from the library. Uh, this is just the law, Ricky. I don't, <laughs> it's not for us to question. <laughs> yeah, like she said, he's uh, like, hey, Melinda, it's Matilda. Yeah, whatever. We got to go. She's like, no, let me adopt her. 
He's like, she doesn't want you. He's like, sure I do. And he's like, I got the adoption papers right here. It's just like, to me, it just happened. Um, I, I get that scene. I get like it needed to happen. Um, but to me, it felt like that scene in the room where he yes. comes in and he's trying to buy the roses. I was just roses. about to say. You're my favorite customer. Hello, doggy. <laughs> One dozen roses, please. All right, bye. Like, it's just like over before it even starts. Um, it, it, that, that's just like, um, I just, I, I appreciate the relationship between Matilda and the teacher, um, but her adopting Matilda was something that um, I remembered, but it also caught me off guard because it happened so quickly. Um, yeah. I think it, it does add on to the whole fantasy of the film. Like in fantasy, certain things like that do happen. Like if Trunchbull can like hurl a human being by the pigtails across a fence and they survive, uh, those kinds of things can happen. In the research, I found out that the role of Miss Honey was uh, possibly going to go to... Mariska Haggerty from Law and Order SVU. Really? So that would have been uh, a very different Miss Honey. Oh my gosh. Where she would have had none of that nonsense. <laughs> yeah. That would yeah. have been a completely different movie. Miss Trunchbull would have gone to jail in the opening <laughs> scene. There could be some <laughs> new <laughs> rules in the- <laughs> In the criminal justice system, crimes against children are seen especially heinous in the court of law. These are their stories. That would be amazing. <laughs> I think my favorite quote throughout the entire film was Danny DeVito's... Uh, quote when he said was that a book yeah it's like no watch see i was like why do you want to read a book there's nothing you can get from a book that you can't get from a tv faster <laughs> that was it's good commentary yeah because it, it was interesting i also didn't pick up on as a kid the whole like books are good you should read books books um message mm-hmm. um because like she learned so much like almost like savant level education from learning what she learned from books because I can't even remember like TV episodes from like a season before if it's been, I don't know, a month, (laughs) let alone remember what it is I read like from years. She's like, Oh yeah, I read this uh, math book. So now I can, I can do all the math. <laughs> I can't even confidently do my taxes uh, without being, without the fear of being audited. Because I'm just, it's, it, I just feel like it's a matter of when. It's just a matter of when. But she didn't have to experience that fear because she armed herself with knowledge. Yeah, I mean, she sure did arm herself. Flawless transition with a head cannon. <gasps> Oh, military arms is another word for that. <laughs> Nailed it. 
That's right, we are going into the segment of the show called Head Cannon, where we talk about unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the movie. Um, so my head cannon is that uh, she read every book in the library because mm-hmm. um, we went through all the kids' books, then she started on the other ones, finished all those books. Once she finishes those books and we stop being in the library, that's when... Well, she she has Moby Dick there, and the Danny DeVito, the dad, rips up Moby Dick. I think that since she knew she couldn't return Moby Dick in the condition that it was, she starts to write a book for the library to make up for it. She creates her own book, and everything from then on is her story. It, it's her first book that she's writing. Um, because if you look at like how quickly the adoption happens, it's surreal. It's where most of the surreal stuff starts aside from her own ex- extreme knowledge. And yeah. Whoa. Um, I mean, the fact that the narrator then takes the form of her father's own voice. Uh, if her father was this omniscient knowing being. Um, also, the Moby Dick book at the end is not damaged. She's just reading it and it's totally fine. So I think everything we're seeing after that is um, like her invention of it, which is kind of nice, but also more tragic. The nice part of it means that those children were never tortured because they're not real. The, the sad part of it though, is that she basically just has to cope till she's 18 in this family. Wow. And then she can grow out of it. But it gives the hope that in the future she would be this um, children's author or this um, great writer. Um, And this was the first story. Dude, that is phenomenal headcanon. Thanks, man. Like, that's that's solid. That headcanon for for Matilda is, it's a similar thing, except that library is the same library from Page Master. Oh, that's a great movie. We should do that movie. Oh, yes. We will. Books are great. On National Book Day. <laughs> Which is, I don't know. Every I, day. <laughs> the other piece that I thought was interesting is how Miss Trunchbull was an Olympian. Like She's like, mm-hmm. oh, I heard that she used to be in the Olympics and she had all these other things. Here is, like, the feats that she was pulling off was nothing of any mere mortal. Okay? My mm-hmm. hunch is that this actually exists in the same world as, like, X-Men, and that they don't know it, but they're mutants. And, like, she has super strength, and or, like, Miss Trunchbull has super strength, and Matilda has telekinesis, and she, they just don't know it. Um, and these are just, like, mutants who, like, never got, like, the formal training that Professor Xavier would have given them. But, like, it's just an example that there are just these these mutants are people or super beings who just kind of like live these normal everyday lives and still kind of become heroes in their own way, heroes or villains in their own way. I like that a lot. Yeah. It also opens the idea that there were kids in the school that also had abilities and didn't know it. Mm -hmm. Like the cake kid (gasps) that he was able to ingest that much cake and also not damaged when glasses shattered over his head. (laughs) How many sick days did I take? <laughs> yeah. How many sick days? So Matilda basically read all these books 
and got mm-hmm. superpowers, not including the headcanon. Uh, what's the one thing that you would want to like read a book and know it forever and learn how to do like Matilda? Man, math. I wish I was a math whiz. Yeah. Growing up, I see how useful math is uh, and how it can be used in so many different ways. And I did not appreciate it when I had it. You know? Yeah. It's it's sad. But I wish I could just absorb, um, like, calculus, advanced, like, all of this, like, quantum... Basically, anytime you see a crazy... See, I can't even talk about fake math. <laughs> Basically, anytime you see equations written on a board yeah. in a movie, I want to know what they mean. Like math and science. I want, I want that kind of understanding. Really? Um, that or Spanish. Oh, interesting. So like another language. Specifically Spanish, though. Another language. But really, just the Spanish. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm hearing you. So you you're saying Spanish. Got it. Uh, sorry, I don't know when to end bits. So, um, I think for me, it would probably be. Uh, I think math. I think just simpler math for me. Like I or not even that. I just wish I could retain all the knowledge that I've already had. Like, cause like oh, get it all back. Yeah, because like I feel like I've forgotten like so much of what I've already learned. Like that's pretty decent with math in high school. Horrible mm-hmm. in college, um, and but I would I would have liked to like still know like all the different like tricks or the or the uh, those are for kids. <laughs> uh, like the mnemonic devices, that sort of things for like math or. Some history, I guess, but just, I just wish I could retain information like that, but. You know, math is an acronym for, man, ah, that's hard. (laughs) It sure is. It sure Mm -hmm. is. Now I'll always know. (laughs) Now I'll always know. Yeah, you got it. See, mnemonic device. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Uh, all right, now we're going to go to the segment called Recast a Remake. Uh, if this movie were to be remade today, who would you cast? Or if it were to have a sequel, uh, what would the, what would the storyline be? Um, a sequel, I think if they were to do a sequel, it would be Matilda, colon, Ugh. do you believe in magic? And it's all about her um, trying to keep her abilities... A secret, even though other people know that she has them. Um, and then there being this big court case about, like, well, do, do, do witches really exist? And then there ends up being some kind of miracle on 34th Street. It's what the people really want. Yeah. I think on top of that, they, they want the video game adaptation of that movie. <laughs> True to style <laughs> of when Matilda came out. Uh, um, I'm I'm gonna go with the sequel angle as well, and say it would be called Matilda Ragnarok, uh, where <laughs> Matilda, her powers have become so strong she's forced to sequester herself in a 
distant realm <laughs> until she learns that the people of Earth need her help. That's good. And she returns wiser for her travels. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Now, I, I feel like if they were to, like, just recast, like, remake Matilda, like, today, like, I feel like it, if it were to happen today, it would be... So the story would basically be a lot of the same, except it would just be this huge cover-up. Um, and, like, a lot of the kids, like, don't have cell phones, so they can't record Mr. Trunchbull, like, throwing someone over a fence. Um, yeah, I think it'd have to take place... In the 80s. Yeah. Or the 90s. Um, or to get around the abuse element of it, you it's read like a book to a kid, and then they do, like, the nod thing at the end, where it's like, but it's real. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like, oh, they left a flower on the windowsill, oh. and that means something. Oh. Uh, like, that kind of thing. The chocolate cake was her totem. Uh, 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 it's, still, it's still spinning. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Yeah, I... It would be difficult to do a, a true remake. Yeah, because I think if they put it in like a distant land or like a fantasy land, like Once Upon a Time in a Mystical Land, known as 1996, like um, <laughs> like they kind of like place the setting in this world where it's uh, almost Joe versus the volcano ask, where it's just like it's close to ours, but it has these more fan fantasy. Fantastical? That's the word. Fantastical element. Or... Oh. Go ahead. No, you're right. It does have a... It already has a very Joe versus the volcano feel to it. Yeah. 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 The, uh, oh, you're right. I think the way to get around it, though, actually, is to get around... Like, I think it would be great to see it be um, casted like another live action. But what would be interesting is if they did it in the style of the original book and combine that with like the peanuts movie type animation and make it mm -hmm. animated. I feel like they could get away with yeah. more of those things because it, it feels more cartoonish. Like, this is cartoonish violence. And uh, you could even keep it violent if you did like Coraline. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That movie. Yeah. Oof, those button eyes didn't sleep. <laughs> button eyes stares at you. <laughs> it was an extension of headcanon that I just want to throw out there. Mm -hmm. With your idea of the, there are other special people there mm -hmm. with powers. What if the FBI wasn't there for the dad? They were there for her. Ooh. To collect her. I really have been watching way too many episodes <laughs> of Stranger Things in a row. Oh, no. I think it fits, man. I think that fits. Yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. But honestly, I think it would be interesting to see uh, Mara Wilson reprise her role, but as Mrs. Wormwood. Uh, I, and that's the whole point of reprising a role. You play the same person. She, for her to play, for her to play Mrs. Wormwood, I think would be an interesting uh, role choice. Oh, I see what you're saying. She would be the horrible one. Right. And allow us to do headcanons for days. Yep. Yep. It was all a dream. All right, now we are going to go into our final segment of the show where we give our reasons to recommend. Grayson, why would you recommend this movie? It's a very sweet movie mm -hmm. with enough action, humor, and uh, a weird amount of fantasy to it um, 
to make it fun. So if you like like James and the Giant Peach, if you like other Roald Dahl adaptations, this totally is in line. If you like Tim Burton films, this feels like it's the same kind of thing. And I like all those things. So uh, I recommend that style. I think I think putting the view of childhood uh, into a um, that kind of like darker uh scene is really interesting because if you think back like childhood is scary there's a lot of things you don't know Mm -hmm. you process things really differently um so i think this movie kind of heightens that as well um which you could play into the idea of like are things really as bad as they're meant to look in matilda like is this a heightened version of something else that's happening um however you want to interpret it um, childhood is tough and this is a movie that shows how education and uh, using your abilities not telekinetics or anything like that but just using the abilities that you foster within yourself is ultimately the the best way to um, kind of overcome those hardships and just like grow as a person so uh, I think there are a lot of good messages for little kids uh, especially in building self-confidence and uh, and for kids that are in a less than ideal situation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, beautifully said. Yeah. I would, I would say that the reason I'd recommend this movie is uh, it's, if you, again, like I've say pretty much, it's kind of the whole point of this podcast, but like, if you haven't seen the movie since you were a child, it's worth re watching. Um, it's really interesting just to see these different elements of, um, allowing yourself to escape into these books and these stories that allow you to um, not only imagine yourself um, differently, but also to just like gain this knowledge of like how to deal with um, your everyday life. Like um, for me, uh, TV was uh, books for me. Like I learned so much um, from TV um on like how to like deal with everyday life or how to um even just like gain knowledge or like navigate socially and um i think it's i think there's that point in time in every uh kid's life where they're just trying to figure out their place in the world and um Mm -hmm. and matilda is a really cool and unconventional story i'd say of like how one kid discovers that for themselves. Um, and I, and I, I also think that it would be great to watch it as the uh, pilot or option for a, a kid X-Men movie. So just <laughs> look at it with those eyes. Listen, Hugh Jackman, he's going to be out as Wolverine soon. Give Matilda a watch. Fox Studios, and uh, you know where to find me on the internet. Yeah, no, right here. Very nice. <laughs> so that is it for our review of Matilda. Let us know what you thought of Matilda or what you remember from Matilda uh, on Twitter. We are at Flashback Flicks, and let us know what you thought of this review that you're listening to right now on iTunes. Leave us a review um, as a book title, like review us just like the tale of an adequate review like a like a like a book title you you remember that book as as a kid i like the pictures (laughs) 
They were just okay. <laughs> and um, be sure to tune in next time where we are going to be doing a very special episode of the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast where we are going to do our first ever movie trivia challenge. Oh, man. We're going to quiz our pants. <laughs> if quizzing your pants is cool, call me Miles Davis. I like it. You don't want to miss out. So be sure to tune in right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until next time, remember to be kind and rewind. <laughs>